Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can hear me daily on this show and also find my work over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me to start the week is my good friend from the Bucks Radio Network and everywhere else, still on our radios this season, unless he has something he hasn't told me yet. Justin Garcia. Uh, good to catch up with you to start the week. The usual Sunday night slot is back. Yeah, that's how I know uh, basketball season is just <laughs> around the corner that uh, we're doing this Sunday night. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm still with the uh, radio unless the Bucks haven't told me anything <laughs> either, though. This has been an off-season full of change. All right, before we get into it, and we're going to have some fun today. I sent a tweet out last night asking the listeners, who is a Bucks player not named Giannis, Chris, or Drew? that you are really looking forward to uh, seeing play this year. So, wow, I got a massive response to that. I've up to 119 responses and counting on Twitter there. Uh, we'll also talk about Brooke Lopez. Before we dive into it, you, I will let you know that you can start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA. Josh Lloyd, host of a, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcast. So I want to start with Brooke. But before I get to this, you tweeted at me on the weekend. And I just woke up. I had no idea what was going on. And I actually still didn't find out what you were on about until later in the day. But you tweeted at me and said, uh, people are paying for podcast guest appearances now. And so Locked On Bucks owes you $17. But I, I did see this t- tweet in the end. And this guy, I don't even know who he is or what he does. But... Uh, saying he charges up to a hundred dollars to to be a guest on a podcast. Um, considering, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know how popular this guy is, but I could never imagine someone asking me to come on a podcast and me say, "Yeah, if you give me a hundred bucks for your time," I, it's, that, I, I couldn't imagine it. Uh, he clearly doesn't work in radio either, because um, right. the rationale too of well, I put in an hour of prep time and. Um, I should be paid for the content. I don't uh, disagree, I guess, but that's not the scale that this pays unless you are at the upper, upper echelon ESPN level. I just couldn't fathom uh, telling somebody I want to be paid for being on a podcast that they asked me to be on for just a guest appearance. And, and I know his point was, well, I go on for you know 30 to 40 minutes, which still, then just say no <laughs> to say I need to be paid to come on. It's, it's, it's just absurd. But hey, if people are doing it, we should start charging. Uh, I, I highly recommend that people don't start um, asking me for $100 for a show. Well, and that's, that's what I was going to say too. And um, I think <laughs> judging by the sounds of it, you agree. But I saw a few people in his mentions pointed out the same thing as well. And that's to anybody young or anybody that has their own show that they're looking to just get guests don't pay for guests because this is very much the exception to the rule. You can get people to come on your show without paying them. 
Sometimes people don't have time, but if you've got a podcast out there, there's always going to be someone else that will be willing to come on. That's the way uh, I look at it anyway. People will ask me about guests that I have on the show. Uh, any given week, I would ask maybe 10 people to come on and sometimes I get one, sometimes I get two. That's just the way it works. But uh, yeah, for anyone with a podcast out there, don't be paying for people. It's, um, it's highly unnecessary. Everyone gets their start however they get it and hopefully um, things pan out. Speaking of things panning out though, Let's talk about Brooke Lopez here. We haven't spoken about Brooke a lot on this show, but this came out from the tweet that I asked about players that people were looking forward to seeing. Uh, I got a number of tweets that said they were looking forward to seeing Brooke Lopez. Now, Brooke wouldn't have been my answer to that question, just purely based on the fact that with Brooke, I kind of know what I'm going to get. We've had the same play from Brooke Lopez Uh, really, since he came to Milwaukee. And over the last four seasons of his career, it's been the same. He's going to get you 12 to 13 points a night, five rebounds. He's going to shoot the three. Had a decent clip. He had a bit of a bounce-back season in 2021, up to 33.8%. He was down at 31.4% a year ago in 2019-20. So that did come up a little bit more. Um, We saw him shooting from the corners a little bit more. And that was a trend that really began in the bubble, actually, and followed through to this year. And then over the course of the season, we saw him have some some pretty big offensive games. And then the game that, of course, we won't forget uh, the 33 points in the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 5, when Giannis went down. But there was a tweet from uh, at 6th and Juno said, it's uh, it's Brooke Lopez. I like Grayson Allen and uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, sorry, like Grayson and DDV. The Bucks uh, are Bucks playing Brooke and Bobby in 2022. And at his age and size, can he keep finding a space to make, make a difference? Intriguing. So my Brook Lopez take is that I had, didn't see anything from him this season and I haven't seen anything in the last two seasons that makes me think that he's about to fall off a cliff. And I think if that Game 5 in the Eastern Conference Final shows us anything, it's the fact that he's been playing within himself for a number of seasons here. This is a guy that has a lot more that he can bring to, t- bring to the table offensively, but he's unselfish the way that he fits into this offense. And I like the way that he's been used um, during the regular seasons as well, because I, I do think particularly offensively, he's not using a lot of energy, not a lot of wear and tear on his body. And let's face it, we're not talking about a guy that is a, an athletic beast out there. I, I don't think that we're going to see this dramatic drop-off athletically from him, and we certainly wouldn't notice it. I reckon if he went any slower, uh, he'd, be going, he'd be going backwards, Justin. Yeah, I um, I haven't seen it either. That I I know early last season, I wouldn't say I was I was worried or or certainly not in the camp of when we were what a month or two in the season of Mamadi needs to be playing over Brooke. But <laughs> I know within the first ten games or so, it did seem like it looks like something's off a little bit. And I I think as we all saw. It was a lot of things. I mean, number one, the quick turnaround, and, and Bud himself. I don't. It might have, it may have been you that was talking with him about it, but Bud had, had kind of indicated he thought Brooke Lopez was the guy that would be most helped by the All Star break and the time off. And I think we certainly saw that in the second half of the season in the playoffs, especially. But you also have to, you know, take into account how much change there was around mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez, and I really think he was, if not most impacted one of the guys most impacted by all of the roster change that they had, the chemistry that they had with Eric Bledsoe and now adjusting to that defensively as well, where you had he and uh, Bledsoe, the way they kind of combined on a lot of the defensive schemes, now learning offensively a new point guard, learning how to play alongside Bobby Portis and that timeshare with Bobby Portis and everything else. I think 
it was a challenging year for Brooke, but I do think we saw him get better as the year went on. So when you look at the way he's been used offensively and just how the minutes have you know, been fairly consistent, but he's no longer a 30-minute-per-night guy, and I think that's good. I, I would imagine we'll see the minutes drop a little more ideally. That's going to depend on the health of your front court. But if you can manage those minutes – I don't think we've been given any indication to think he's just going to completely fall apart now. The only thing that really make you pause and say, okay, realistically, we have to assume we're going to see a decline. It's just as long as it's not a steep decline is the age that he's going to turn 34 during the regular season. So this year he's got around 13 million next year, 13 million as well. So two years left on the deal. I think we spoke about it at the time that the contract was signed and we said, well, realistically at the end of that contract he's probably going to be a minimum player at that point he's going to be 35 years old that would make a lot of sense and it's not to say that he he can't drop off and it's not to say that he's not going to have nagging injuries and that's the reason why he comes down uh, to earth a little bit from the level that he's been at keeping in mind that he is just a massive human I mean he is just a huge huge guy you spoke about the short turnaround and I, I do remember asking Bud about that and and he kind of gave away the fact, as you pointed to, that he was struggling with some things and they kind of expected he was going to have a little bit of a slow start. He's always wearing that back uh, brace. It's like a heat pack type thing as well on the bench. So you can't rule out the fact that he's going to drop off. But I just didn't see anything last season that told me that his level of play dropped. Of course, defensively, there were some question marks. And again, I don't necessarily think it was his faults uh, he was put in different positions and let's face it at times Drew Holiday looked pretty bad defensively when they were miscommunicating not quite understanding what everyone was doing Giannis as well I mean we spoke about the overhelping the other day on the show but that was a problem for the Bucks defense throughout the season so I was always of the opinion that the the criticisms of Brooke Lopez were Uh, way over the top and not really necessary. And there was another tweet that I saw on Twitter that referenced something about the fact that Brook Lopez was a 16-game player or something. I mean, to me, that's absolutely absurd. If you've watched Brook Lopez the last last few regular seasons, you've seen the way that he's anchored the defense as one of the best rim protectors in the league. And then uh, on the offensive end, when he's had the opportunity when Giannis isn't out on the floor or when he's been injured, he's executed as well. And then when Giannis is on the floor, he spaced the floor, knocked down those threes. So... In general, I I kind of think that the whole 16-game pl- player thing is a bit silly anyway. I mean, you're either a regular season player that can't quite handle the big moments like we saw with Eric Bledsoe a few times, but if you're a player like Brook Lopez, he's just good. He's good in the regular season. He doesn't shrink in the postseason. So I would, I would probably uh, disagree with that. But any more Brook Lopez thoughts before we move on? No, I think you covered – I mean, I, I think he – he's variations of both. He's clearly a regular season player and I I get the 82 versus 16 logic. And I, I don't know that I'm not saying he was, he played poorly in the playoffs. I mean, again, what he did against the Hawks with no Giannis, I mean, he still had those moments, but we did see, thankfully you had somebody like Bobby Portis and especially PJ Tucker that you were able to throw different looks and, go with Giannis as the five that I don't know at this stage in his career, he's the typical 16 guy either that you can say we can play him as our center in every single series. It's, it's very matchup based. And that's what we saw in each of their playoff series in the run to the championship. I'm sure that's what we're going to see again this year. So Brooke, uh, as I mentioned, uh, again, I would expect is, is going to play 
a big part in and obviously start, but you also pointed out the fact that his minutes have been around that 27, 28 minute mark. So hope for good health with Brook Lopez, no doubt about that. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the team defense uh, plays out uh, this season and whether there's the same level of adjustments. There's some new faces that we're going to go through here. But Brook Lopez still obviously a major part of what the Bucks are trying to do this year going back to back. Uh, before we get to some of the other uh, tweets and responses that we had, I, I might ask you who, which player you are looking forward to the most. But first, we'll talk about sweat block and sweat block wipes. They are doctor created and doctor recommended. Uh, they work for up to seven days per use. All you have to do is uh, apply the wipe, uh, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, Go uh, have a shower, whatever you need to do. Head to work, wherever you're going, and you will be covered for sure. There's a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's currently the number one. Yeah, it's currently ranked number one on Amazon in the antiperspirant category. That is a, there's a highly competitive category there, and sweat block wipes are right at the top. Look, we know there are some things that just aren't fun to talk about, and one of them is, is, is excessive sweating. You know when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason. Uh, it's embarrassing. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. And then uh, let's talk about direct TV stream. Uh, does this situation sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in the one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by pack. All right, Justin, let's throw it to you. So the question is, which Milwaukee player not named Giannis, Chris, or Drew are you most looking forward to watching this season and why? So I had, um, I had three names, but there's really one that is most intriguing to me. And I feel like it's cheating because I would assume this is number one for a lot of people. And that's Grayson Allen that mm. I, I think really Grayson Allen and Dante are going to be tied to the hip here at the hip. Um, just when you consider the contract situation for both of them, Grayson Allen, I would assume is going to see a lot of Dante's playing time early in the season. And then it's going to be a matter of how do you weave both of them into the mix once Dante is ready to go. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, we've seen a handful of guys that have shot the ball very well prior to coming to Milwaukee, and then they struggle in that department in the big, meaningful minutes. Grayson Allen has certainly shot the ball well throughout the NBA and certainly collegiately. Um, and look, he was primarily a starter for the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, primarily a starter on a playoff team. Yes, I realize a lower seed in the Western Conference, but kind of similar to what they did last year with most of who they brought in and that you're bringing in these guys that have kind of done everything. They've started and come off the bench. We saw that with uh, DJ Augustine. We saw it with Bobby Portis and Brent Forbes as well. And now Grayson Allen is there that I think it's good that you don't have these guys 
that are coming in and used to starting and now they're going to have to come off the bench and play sparingly or vice versa. So I think we're all just curious to see, can he keep shooting? Cause what over 40% from three, um, the last two years, I believe, or at least close, he, you know, five games in the playoffs in that first round series against the jazz. He had one really good game. And then I think the rest of it was kind of like, what we've seen from a lot of free agent additions in the playoffs for the Bucks. So I'm going to be curious to see what types of shots he can get in this offense and, and the amount of minutes he has playing alongside Giannis, because we saw early on how much that really boosted Bryn Forbes. And you know, I, I think Grayson Allen is certainly an upgrade over Bryn Forbes that he, he brings the size. And I think he can just do more than Bryn Forbes could do, especially on the defensive end. So most of my interest is going into Grayson Allen and, and, and seeing how he fits in with this group and, and what you ask of him, especially once uh, Dante DiVincenzo returns and how he kind of fills the void before Dante's back. Contract year, Grayson Allen. Uh, or yeah. is, you know, at the end of this season, we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, depending on the situation, we've discussed it a lot, but whether it's Grayson, whether it's Dante, I think one of them will be with the Bucks next season. Uh, I'm not 100% sure which one it'll be, but you're right. That was a popular answer. Patrick uh, Amon on Twitter says, Grayson Allen, I think he can be an X factor for the Bucks this year fighting for a contract. So he also notes that the contract there uh, at Mudden 15 says, Grayson Allen, there, I think there's a big role for him with Dante missing early, which... Uh, which obviously makes sense. Uh, we think that, or I certainly think that he's a, a pretty good chance to start the season. And then we had plenty of answers that were like this one. I'm trying to track down so I can actually uh, read the, uh, the the Twitter handle here. Because uh, yeah, here we go. Mitchell Ace says I'm looking to see if I start to love Grayson Allen, even after I said I never would once he left Duke. So that's, that's pretty good. I like the sentiment when we had uh, Sean Coleman on from Locked On Grizzlies last week. He spoke a lot about the fact that, you know, Grayson Allen's been a popular guy in the locker room where he's been in the NBA and generally, I think, well-liked by the fans as well. He's, he's probably matured. He's not a teenage kid anymore causing trouble. He's out here playing basketball. Hopefully he knocks down a bunch of shots. But the guy that I've got, pretty much for similar reasons, is Dante DiVincenzo. And we saw yeah. a, a number of people uh, tweeted Dante as well. And I just think that there's a lot of intrigue around Dante health-wise. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can stay healthy. Not for the first time. Last season, he missed time with injuries. It's always sort of foot-ankle related. He's had some stuff going on down there, uh, even going back to college, which is a little bit of a concern. He's still only 24 years old. He'll turn 25 this season. But it is a big year for him. I wonder, you know, depending on when he comes back this year or when he comes back this season, um, what that injury has done to his his value, I guess. Because if you had a looked at a guy that, and we don't know what would have panned out and whether he would have started the whole way through or who knows what would have happened, but he's kind of been forgotten that he's going to be an addition to this team this year. And I think one of the things that's underrated with Dante DiVincenzo has been the progression of his three-point shot. And look, people will push back and say, well, he's streaky. And I would push back and say, well, everyone's streaky unless you're you know, in the top percentage of, of three-point shooters in the league. But I, I just think it's super impressive. His first year in 2019, 26.5% on 3.1 attempts. That bumped up to 33% 
on 3.7. And then last year, he's going to shoot 37.9%. He was a 38% three-point shooter on over five attempts per game. Yes, some of those attempts at times can make you raise your eyebrows a little bit, but I think that's what makes him uh, a good shooter and a guy that's going to continue to get better. He's not afraid of taking big shots. He's not afraid of pulling the trigger on those long-range attempts. And I, I just think that from 26 to 33 to 38, that's pretty sharp progression and really pretty impressive. Yeah, he was one of the three guys that I said. Uh, it was Grayson, Dante, and Bobby Portis, for me, mm-hmm. was the third guy. Um, but with Dante, it, this is a big year for him. That you, know, you can say it's been tough luck, but injuries have kind of been a theme throughout his career here. And now certainly the biggest one of his career cost him – the chance to play on a championship team down the, the stretch drive in a series where, you know, it would have been really interesting to see Dante in that series against the Brooklyn Nets that I think we all kind of said at the time. I remember saying on this show, and I, I think you did as well, that, you know, when Dante went down in that Heat series, you felt like the, the series was already over, to be honest. And Dante wasn't really necessary just with the talent deficiency that Miami had versus the Bucks. But it was going to be that second-round series against the Nets where you thought, man, you really need Dante here. So now you get to throw him back in the mix, and he was at least around the team when they won the championship. But again, it's going to be staying healthy for Dante. There's no question about it. I mean, Grayson Allen is competition now. For the obvious elephant in the room and the contract situation, I agree that one of the two is going to be back just because of where the Bucks are in terms of the cap they're not bringing back both of them. And that makes it even more important of whoever plays best is probably who's getting that picked up and, and extended, I should say a new contract because where the bucks are with the money invested in Giannis and Chris and drew, and we assume Bobby Portis as well after this coming off season, they're going to have to really start to hit it on the margins. And you can't really carry guys for those, you know, 10 to $15 million contract ranges if it's just going to be a sunk cost. So it really does feel like whoever plays the best and fits with this team the best this upcoming season, that's who's going to be here going forward between he and Grayson Allen. So I think it's a big year for Dante in that regard. It's a big year just because we did see those, those steps forward and those strides taken each of his years in the NBA, in all fairness, and you pointed it out as well. Um, but you need to see it again, that I think even still with the, uh, the growth that Dante made, I know he's never going to be a guy that's the second leading scorer on the team just because of the guys that are already here. But I still think you still need to see one more step taken from him. And, and I think we may have seen that had he been able to play in the playoffs. So now it just becomes a waiting game. He brings the X factor. He brings the X factor to this, to this Bucks team, whether it's defensively creating the turnovers, a bit of energy. So uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased. We've watched Dante for the last three years. But I'm certainly in his camp. I hope that he can really uh, come back, be healthy for a full season and make that role. Here's, I think Grayson Allen's going to be an important addition and, and you know, a, a nice move for the Bucks to, to take that trade, take that little bit of extra salary, but you protect yourself early in the season with potential replacement starter and then a, just a reliable guy off the bench that can shoot the three well. So I like the Grayson Allen pick, but I'm in the camp of Dante uh, for sure. We're going to go through a few other names that got thrown out there. I want to talk about Sleeper. 
In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. Oh, man, I, 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 this, this would be difficult. This would be difficult to do. Um, uh, who, would, who would you pick Chris Middleton against? Probably the Celtics. The, the Bucs had the Celtics on the schedule. You want to be having Chris Middleton in your lineup there. Uh, the days of losing because your opponent's player simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are over as well when it comes to fantasy and the days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work also over maybe i would actually be able to last a full fantasy season if i play uh, this game with sleeper so sleeper crack the fantasy basketball code if you play fantasy football if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work you're going to love game picks download the sleeper app and start a league with your friends today you will not be disappointed and speaking about hard work uh, when you're playing these fancy games, honestly, you probably need a Theragun by the time you're done changing your team every single day. It's just ridiculous. So don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. It's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Uh, you would have seen... Theraguns on benches in the NBA. And I remember a few years ago, I was like, what, the, what is this funny thing? And now you just see it all over the place. But the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So you can try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. All right, you mentioned Bobby Portis, Justin, and a couple of people mentioned Bobby, and you know he, he really finds himself in a difficult position, Bobby Portis, because the way that season ended, and I think Frank even pointed to this on the podcast a couple of days ago, like that's the high point. Like it's very hard for me to imagine that he could ever be loved more than he was at that point after game six of the NBA finals. He's doing Milwaukee chants in the, in the post-game uh, presentation and just had a massive impact, a big impact in the NBA finals and right throughout the season. Shot the absolute shit out of the ball through the regular season as well, up in the high 40s. So uh, count me as, as curious as well about Bobby Portis. Can, as it, what, what else could he do? I mean, he was so great last year. Of course, he can play a bigger role. He can get better minutes. He can feel uh, more comfortable on the defensive end. I remember when I had a, a chat with Chase Buford going back about a month ago, he said something that was along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he did say that, he felt, and he knew Bobby Portis right back to the Chicago Bulls days, but he said that he thought that this year we saw the progression of Bobby Portis throughout the season, particularly defensively, because effort was never really a problem. But he said this was the first season that he felt that he'd been really coached hard, coached up hard on the defensive end. So who knows? Maybe year two, there's more to come from Bobby Portis. Maybe he can be even better. I think it would be safe to assume the three-point shot is probably going to go down a little bit just because he was so outrageously good last year. 
But I don't know. Maybe, maybe Bobby does have some more defensive progression. That would be huge. Yeah, 47% on three. I would mm. assume that comes down since yeah. he only had a 40% season once. Um, I'm not saying I anticipate Bobby Portis to, to decline here, but you have to prepare yourself for it, that it seemed like everything just went perfectly yeah. for Bobby Portis last year. So does that carry over? That's a question that I have. But, I mean, it is worth pointing out as well. He's in a much better spot. He's you know, always been a guy that's taken to coaching. And just the way you heard him talk about Bud and this coaching staff early in the season and during the playoffs talking about it as well, that he knows I only stay on the floor if I play defense. So that was one of the areas that I really committed myself to. I mean, it's easy to point out that guys play better on good teams with no numbers to back it up. But I think Bobby Portis is one of those guys that, you know, he talked about that countless times last year as well, that he just got sick of losing and playing in those lower rung teams like the Wizards and the Knicks and the Bulls that coming here kind of rejuvenated him. And I think the surprising thing to some too is, you know, we talked about Dante's age and, and Grayson and Allen. Bobby Portis is 26 years old. Yeah. He's going to turn 27 during the season. So I know he's been around for a little bit, but it's not like he's this guy that's nearing 30 or, you know, in that range where he's still technically in the prime of his career. So who knows? Maybe we can see that scoring go up. My intrigue is more so of, you know, it seemed like a perfect season for Bobby Portis last year. I would anticipate the three-point shooting is going to come down a little bit. I would anticipate some of those magical moments may not exist anymore because he had them last year. It's just how much comes down are we talking about defensively as well what's the growth that we see there since I do think we saw some during the postseason and also how much more is he asked to play this upcoming year because you and I've talked about it before they're still pretty thin in the front court that it seems like you are leaning on Giannis and Bobby and Brooke quite a bit now so if one of those guys does miss some time then it gets really interesting uh, but do you play Bobby Portis more? And, you know, we kind of see a timeshare between he and, and Brooke Lopez where they play maybe identical minutes. And with that, does Bobby Portis or do his numbers start to come up a little bit? So I think there's a lot of questions around Bobby Portis that, you know, there's a the number of variables, the health. What does the shooting look like? What does the defense look like? How much is he used? Is he used more this upcoming season? There's just a lot of unknowns that we have with a guy that really was it, – it felt like one of their more steady guys at times for most of that season. Yeah, I mean, the, the effort level is really consistent with Bobby. You know that, first of all, he's going to get shots up. Um, sometimes they're going to go down. They did more often than not last year. And by the way, when we say if he's three-point shooting – is going to go down a bit from last year. I mean, he can drop literally six percentage points and still right. be at around 41, 42%. And you'd be very, very, very happy with that. I mean, that's still a great percentage from three. So, you know, uh, you're right. I mean, the age that he's at, at only 26, certainly only just entering his prime. Um, I, I'm more just talking about the general approval rating. I mean, God, this guy is just absolutely loved right now. And then coming back on, the, on really what was a discount as well. More than anything, I hope he eventually gets paid. It felt like this was a perfect opportunity for him to get paid. Um, but by the same token, we're thrilled that he has come back. Now, at Callan Jonathan, uh, one last point on Bobby Portis. He says, Bobby Buckets last year, the combo of three-point shooting, 
Offensive rebounding and intensity made him a cult hero. He was on the court near the end of game six. I want to see if he can improve defensively to become a long-term front court running mate of Giannis. So I would agree with that point. The defense is probably what I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, I mean, everyone mentioned everyone. I mean, we could go through every single player, but I think one that we can finish on here, uh, Ben Kohler says, uh, Jordan Wara, we know who everyone else is. The potential big step that Jordan can take this year is exciting. Uh, look, I mean, it wasn't a great summer league, but I will say that coming from the Olympics where he played really well, maybe it was just fatigue. He'd been playing a lot of basketball at that point, um, you know, from where he had been. Obviously, the NBA finals, and even though he wasn't playing a lot, you're still in the middle of the NBA season as a player working out, being prepared, being ready to go, traveling, and then traveling to Tokyo, then traveling back to Vegas. So I wouldn't read a lot into it. My my main concern with Jordan War is I'm just not sure that I see the minutes there. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Bud is going to go into this season with the mindset that he wants to play him and he wants to make space for him. But when I look at it, and we know the, who the starters are, uh, the five guys there, then you have Pat Connaughton that's going to be coming off the bench. Semi Ojale, I, I think, is going to be in the rotation. Rodney Hood, I, we don't really know what to expect from him. So there is a lot of guys in that kind of area I'm intrigued by Jordan Moore. There's no doubt. Defensively, obviously, massive concerns, but I'm not sure that I see the minutes, particularly when you do take into account that, that defensive stuff that yeah, he's, let's be honest, he, he has to get better at. Yeah, it's funny. Um, as soon as the offseason began, I think Jordan Wara would be towards the top, if not at the top of the list for almost everyone here. Hmm. Um, but, you know, the summer league, sure, but also just the way that this roster has been rounded out where we're talking about Dante is going to miss some time early in the season, but you bring in Grayson Allen. And I know we thought, I know Jordan Ward doesn't play the two, but just the way they shuffle around the roster, does this mean there's more minutes for Jordan Wara where Pat will be in the starting lineup and then somebody's got to fill those three to four minutes that Pat was getting. But now... With Grayson Allen in the mix, you know Pat Connaughton, the minutes that he's going to have. George Hill is back in the fold. So that basically eliminates a lot of any potential backcourt or wing minutes that were out there. And um, even a guy like Rodney Hood, who we haven't mentioned, and you know he's another guy that there's a ton of questions with, where I don't think any of us really know what to anticipate, not just because of the injuries that he's had, but also with how this roster is in a much different spot than it was you know, a year ago as they were entering the season where there wasn't a whole lot of depth. It was just they pushed their chips in on Drew Holiday and you brought in Bobby Portis. And even then we weren't expecting what we got from Bobby Portis, but it was the starters and that was it. Now it's, it's really the same starting group, but there is a little more depth there. And because of all those other pieces that have been added, semi Ojale as well, I just don't see a path for minutes for Jordan Wara that I think it's it's going to be most important for him to really develop in the G League this season. And let's be honest, if there's one thing that we learned last year, I mean, we all talk about depth a lot. We spoke about depth a lot last year. And again, we're going to come into this year because I do think if you go through the 10, 11, 12, 13 guys that I think that could play on any given night, you know, they're better than they are deeper. Like you're right in saying that. But of course, we know that ultimately you win a championship 
from your best player and your second best player and your third best player and your fourth best player. It's the guys at the top end of the roster. And by the end of the NBA finals, the Bucks were playing seven, eight guys. So the depth, it, it, it doesn't really matter when it comes to winning playoff games. So what it does afford you to do, and it might be important this year coming off a short off season with the Olympics thrown in there as well, it could give the Bucks a good opportunity to ease their way into the season. Coming back to the start of the podcast, tying it all back together, the guy like Brooke Lopez, as you pointed to, maybe he does split minutes entirely uh, with Bobby Portis and plays 24, 25 minutes instead of 27, and they then they start to ramp him up as the season goes on. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I'll tell you what else is interesting. That's a Locked On Bets podcast. And this betting does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this was a fun one, Justin. This is good. I always like it. This has been the perfect off-season content. You just throw a question out there, and then the people, the people basically do the show for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, too, because um, I had a couple of names in mind, and really, Grayson Allen was the main one, but then you continue to look through the roster, and you're like, man, oh, yeah. what about this? Like, even the Rodney Hood thing, the yeah. semi-Ogele part of, okay, I know he has the same frame as P.J. Tucker. I mean, how much of P.J. <laughs> Tucker's minutes does he fill? But there's a lot of, of questions now that we didn't really have the last year, and, and even, you know, once Bud got here, there was questions going into that first season, but then the group was pretty much the same that the last year was the most change they had seen in, in quite a while, but even still you had the constant of the starters and we thought a big upgrade in drew. And now there's just a lot of questions with that, that second unit. And I don't think it's questions in a bad way. For sure. And uh, you know, Rodney Hood specifically is a guy that I'm, I'm curious about. I mean, we could have gone on, forever here on this show with all the, the great tweets that we had and comments and basically every player on the roster was mentioned. So um, we appreciate that for sure. Uh, quick note on YouTube as we wrap it up. Uh, well, shout out to you guys. First of all, the, the YouTube channel is live. If you go to YouTube and hit locked on bucks, you'll see it there and uh, help us out and hit subscribe. We're already over 160 subscribers and we haven't even done an episode on YouTube yet. So I'm saving the first YouTube episode for when Frank's around. He got, Frank's been here since the start. He had to be there for the first YouTube. So I believe we're going to be doing that on Tuesday night, which means that from Wednesday moving forward, uh, the show you'll be able to find on YouTube as well. So um, even if you're only going to watch one show a week and you're going to listen on your podcast platform, as I said, do us a favor, jump on YouTube, search Locked on Bucks and hit, hit subscribe there and help us uh, get that off the ground we'd really appreciate that and justin i appreciate you the the sunday night football post podcast slot is locked in for the foreseeable future sounds good i cannot wait and get your camera ready for next time <laughs> yes i apologize in advance mm, yeah me too all right we'll wrap it up there we'll be back tomorrow uh, plenty of good stuff coming for the rest of this week so for justin and myself Take it easy over there and we will speak to you tomorrow.